Super excited to have John Collins here, Director of Content and Intercom on the show. John, welcome. Great to have you. Thanks very much, Sergey. Great to be here. Tell me about, so we spoke a little bit about the harsh weather conditions. <laughs> harsh at? weather conditions here in Ireland, yes. <laughs> Um, but I wanted to uh, I wanted to jump straight in and talk a little bit about the point that you made when we when we chatted before about the difference between journalists and marketers and specifically how differently they approach content production how journalists are super fast and they've been trained to do that with a quick turnaround but versus marketers are so different talk to me a little bit about the difference in mindset and how does it affect these types of folks. Yeah, so I think definitely uh, one of the, the, the sort of strengths that, that journalists have and that they can bring to a, to a marketing team and obviously the, the early days intercom, myself, my own background, I worked as a journalist for nearly 20 years. Uh, we've hired a number of people who've got media experience in, in, in on their resume. And I think one of the things you, you learn there is the ability to get sort of high quality content out under deadline how to get people to sort of agree to sign off on things and on relatively quick turnarounds. I think you also get that like persuasiveness as well. So like, you know, when we're doing customer stories and things like being able to sort of like sell to people like, why, why do I have to talk to this person and why, what's in it for me? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think all those things combine and I also been very quickly able to spot like, well, this is an interesting story or, and, 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 you know, knowing where to dig maybe a little bit deeper. I think all of those things combine, if you're going to be producing a blog or some other, you know, regular podcast or whatever it might be that as part of your content marketing efforts, I think journalists have a unique sort of skill set there that allows them to, to publish quality content on a sort of an ongoing basis on a pretty regular basis. And I think, marketers generally are not sort of trained to do that or it's not necessarily their strong suit. That's not to say marketers can't do it. Of course, so there, are, there are some marketers who are excellent at that. Equally, I think there are some journalists who aren't necessarily able to see that that's sort of a, a, a resellable skill that they have or a skill that they can apply in a different industry. And so, you know, I've, I've heard some excellent um, journalists work in our content marketing team i've also worked with some amazing journalists in the past and i would never think i would never think about hiring them for content marketing because i think they're just you know uh don't necessarily see their skills in that light but it, definitely it's something i've le learned in the sort of six six years or, or more that i've been doing uh, content marketing what do you when when you are a journalist what how do you spot this good story how do you spot the story that maybe is not quite developed yet quickly if you have like a 24 hours to maybe 48 hours to turn around. What do you look for? I think it's, uh, I think a big thing and it's something I suppose that you need to be careful as a marketer and, you know, I, I, I'll give an example, I think, uh, where, where you can go slightly wrong, but I think it's just like that interest and like curiosity of like, Oh, I want to know more and I want to dig into this. And, and you know, it's not just, uh, something you've heard a hundred times before. Um, and so, you know, as you're thinking about your product, you're trying to think of like, you know, oh, like this is interesting, this is different, that there, you know, it's a creative use of our product maybe or something like that that will actually help with your marketing. Where you can go wrong, and like I, I, I remember this in the past, there was a, a company called uh, Storyful who were like mm -hmm. doing social media newsroom, um, you know, sort of surfacing the stories that were out there on social media and verifying them, et cetera. And, um, they were an intercom customer, but actually they had sort of developed and kind of, um, I suppose, hacked effectively intercom in very interesting ways for their own purposes. And it was a very interesting story. And like I, I wrote it up as a, as a blog post, but 
you know, the reality was we weren't going to sell any, no one else was, you know, it was so unique to them Very that custom. it's not necessarily, yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting story. It was a nice blog post, but you know, it's not necessarily going to succeed from a marketing perspective. So I think you've obviously got to make sure that you're still, you know, finding those interesting stories and surfacing them, but they're within like, Hey, are we selling to that market? Are we selling to that use case? You know, all those kind of things, all those kind of marketing guardrails, I think you, you, you still have to operate within. And that's, that is, the, I think, where, where the, that overlap of, of journalism and marketing can be really, really powerful. And we'll actually speak to that because I think you have some, some good examples to share. What mm -hmm. about when you are, a, there's a lot of debate going on with quality versus quantity. And those are, I mean, it probably definitely will never go away. How mm -hmm. do you approach, how journalists approaches quality versus quantity versus, let's say, marketers you have had a chance to work with? Yeah. Well, so I think, uh, you know, it's interesting you say that debate will never go away because I've, I've, you know, I think I've, I've been on both sides of that debate myself over, over the years. Um, I think, you know, when I started out in content marketing initially, it was like my initial, my instinct was just to, to, to create more and to publish more um, because that's what you, that's what you do. You, 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 you write content or record content, publish content. And, and so, um, it's a very natural instinct to do that. There does become a, a point for every company, I think, and for every brand where you, you start to see diminishing returns. Um, like at Intercom, when I joined Intercom, we were probably publishing about two, two blog posts a week on average. Um, we saw very strong returns on that, up to maybe four or five posts a week. Um, and particularly, I think, in the early days of intercom because our audience the people we were trying to sell to uh it was largely smaller companies there was a lot of startups a lot of people in mm -hmm. the kind of sort of product and design world and they like to read blog posts um, and particularly at that time i think you know like five six years ago blog post consumption was probably higher uh you didn't have as many podcasts and things around or you know, I think just generally the, the, the media world hadn't got, our media consumption hadn't got as fragmented, content consumption, whatever you want to call it. Um, so we saw good returns up to like, we, we, we were publishing for about a year, about five, five times a week. As we moved, started selling to bigger customers, as we started like thinking very deeply about the different use cases that people might have for Intercom and the different audiences who would use it in Intercom within a company. So like I'm talking about support leaders, I'm talking about marketers, talking about sales leaders, we began to realize that, hey, not all those audiences are going to want to read like lots and lots of content. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I think, you know, for instance, like there's not a great amount of like high quality support content out there. I think most people would agree that like there's a lot of uh, quite sort of light content there. So actually, I think for customer support, uh, the number of articles you need to publish or the number of books or guides or whatever it might be that you, you create, uh, you can, you can get a lot further with less is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. I think marketing is really, really crowded and it's quite mm. hard to break through that noise. Uh, and actually marketers by their nature, I think read quite a bit. Uh, and then I'd say like on, on sales, just to give the third example of, of the, the sector we sell into, um, salespeople, you know, tend to be time pressed they don't necessarily want to read your 1200 word thought leadership article on like, you know, the latest <laughs> sales developments. They're like, give me the information. I want it now, you know? Um, and so we found videos are really effective medium, short, mm -hmm. short, snappy, like 
a high um, sort of noise signal to noise ratio videos uh, performed really well when you're we trying to trying to reach a, a sales audience. So it like the, the the I think the there's no one answer for like frequency of publishing. Um, I think it comes down to really you know who who your audience are, what kind of what size of companies you're you're, you're going into, etc. And really just approaching that in a really methodic, thoughtful way. When you are let's say you are in a crowded place, maybe you're producing two pieces of content per week and other folks will be producing more. There's this argument or there's this fear that people have like, oh, like I will be less seen. And it's kind of, it's in a way it is true that you are less seen. But if you are, mm -hmm. for example, producing higher quality piece of content that people look forward to, would that still be an argument that, oh, you're not hitting the frequency or the volume? Yeah, well, I, I don't think just staying on the treadmill is the answer if, if you're in a crowded marketplace and, and or, you know, credit content space um so for instance you know well then why not think about uh surfacing things from that you've published previously because if, if it's that crowded a marketplace people haven't seen it and um, one of the most successful uh sections of our newsletter over the years has been when we include a sort of like a, a piece from the archives like a in case you've missed it piece at the, at the bottom of the newsletter um, which is basically just a way for us to, to surface another blog post that we think, you know, deserves a second life. Mm -hmm. And quite regularly, that is like in the top two or three links uh, link clicked on in, in the newsletter. Um, so I don't, I don't think, I don't necessarily buy that argument. Then there's the whole piece of like, not just resurfacing stuff, but like looking at that as an opportunity to go back and optimize uh, existing content. I think then also you might want to ask yourself, you know, as I mentioned, say with the sales audience, you know, we realized that video was a great way to reach, reach mm -hmm. them. And it didn't have to be sort of like highly produced, very polished video. It was just like very direct, uh, sort of, you know, uh, highly lot with a lot of information in it, um, worked, worked really, really well. So I think again, maybe think about, you know, is there other, is there other ways to reach this audience? If, if, if everyone is, if everyone in your space is going, oh, we're like publishing loads of blog posts, for instance. Well, then maybe think of some other some other way to reach them. But I don't think necessarily contributing to, hey, let's just like bring out the big guns and we'll just more and more and more. Uh, it's it it doesn't make sense because you know I think generally one of the the sort of guilty secrets of the content marketing world is a lot of content doesn't perform or doesn't get seen, and so why why contribute to that problem uh, and just and just publish more? It's I don't I don't think it's 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 good for anyone. It's a great point. If you are if you have great content, then you might not have an audience, then figure out how to get an audience or figure out how to get access to the audience and then mm -hmm. distribute that content versus produce more content to, for, to no audience, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, it is that old, that old cliche about Einstein <laughs> saying that, you know, the definition of madness is continuing to do the same thing. Well, don't just, you know, the solution is not just, oh, well, I, I you know, produce more content. Uh, I think the solution is to get creative about getting that, that content in front of the right people. And I've heard it from, from other people. And I, I'm, I store, previously, a couple of months ago, slowly started to realize that it's true where, firstly, there's no one size fits all, but then there's also this advice from Gary V's of the world where you absolutely have to produce more content. If you're not producing five pieces of content a day, then you're, you're lost. And okay, it is probably true for some people, for, for certain, for certain industries, but then that model does not apply to everybody. Yeah, no, and I, I think like you want to think about like engagement as well. Like you don't want to just like be like almost this brute force sort of like, you know, if I keep 
publishing five times a day or like, you know, it's not always necessarily publishing in terms of a new post or something, but it's like social posts, it's YouTube. But it's it's a very much a kind of a brute force attack approach. Uh, and I think actually what you want is more kind of like, can I produce like one thing a day or one thing a week that actually gets engagement and actually gets a discussion going or, you know, the people go, oh, you know, those guys at Intercom or yeah. those guys, you know, those guys in the Media Camp podcast, you know, they're producing good stuff. I want to go and like, I want to, it's just so much noise out there at the moment, you know, like There's... we're all trying to break through noise and like we've all become these like really distracted people who are like constantly like, you know, getting pings about new things. I, th I really think like we are, it, whether in our work lives or, you know, you know, our private lives, we are all starting to appreciate the more sort of like thoughtful, you know, more insightful pieces. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily have to mean like long form or things like that. Like they can be quite short things. Um, but they just deliver you good quality content that you want to engage with. I think it's much right. more important than like volume of content. Yeah, just figure out uh, either jump on a different treadmill or configure the treadmill for yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so we want, I want to talk about uh, when you jumped into Intercom from mm -hmm. being, being a journalist for so many years. How, what was different? How did you feel when you started? Well, everything is, is quite different. I mean, um, as I said, media world, uh, and particularly I was in a, what, you know, what was a daily newspaper of, um, and, and making the transition to online, but it was all about like always on, always, you know, always publishing. Um, you know, and I think that was probably a, a big change for me, uh, was going through that sort of thought process of actually like, okay, like, we now plan by quarters and we have quarterly goals and we have a chance to think more strategically and to stop that sort of like, you know, as I say, even though we did get up to publishing uh, five times a week on, on Inside Intercom, that was, you know, probably 18 months, two years after I started. And it was like when a team was in place, but I think even initially, like it was sort of, you know, uh, Des Trainer who, who was heading up marketing um, all, all, uh, around that time said to me, you know, like just, you know, you don't have to publish every day. That's not the yardstick you're going to be measured on. It's not that kind of, as you said, said like the kind of advice you see from a lot of, of, of influencers of like, just keep, keep getting into people's feeds and making sure you're at the top of the feed. Um, and just having that time to, to think strategically and like, what's going to move the needle? Like what, what do people who are buying Intercom need? Like what kind of, what kind of things can we, can we publish that they're, they're going to be willing say to give us an email address for so that we can start to have, you know, they can become leads and we can start like a, a, a relationship and a discussion with them that hopefully ends up with them becoming a, a valuable customer. Um, and I think, you know, just the, the media world in contrast is, you know, under a lot of pressure to produce, you know, with, with less people working in the industry, produce more than ever. Um, they're being read more widely than ever. And so there's just this intense pressure all the time. Um, and it's very hard to, to sort of, you know, meanwhile, they're trying to figure out what their business model has broken and mm. come up with a new, a new business model. And so like, it, it's very, very different. Uh, the, the working in-house in a, in a software company that, and, and by its very nature, Intercom is uh, very much a product first company. So very thoughtful in, our, in the approach to, to how we solve problems, always kind of go back to, to, to first principles. We don't necessarily jump to, like you know an immediate response we started we, we we think about like the jobs to be done methodology has been very influential at intercom so we always try and understand the problem that 
our customers have and like what what they're trying to use Intercom for and really understand then how we could you know better solve that problem um and then you know as i said the jobs we don't have to think about like why why are people hiring intercom like what is what is the job that they're using intercom for and so i think that 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 to me was the, was the big big change that it's you know mm-hmm. a, a sea change in terms of both pace and sort of uh you know intensity is the wrong word but you know just it it, it was definitely more a chance to sort of be more strategic rather than to be very tactical of like hey we've got to get a newspaper out tomorrow mm-hmm. And now a couple of years fast forward, I think you mentioned now everybody wants to work at uh, work at uh, Intercom as a or former journalist went to work at Intercom. Yeah. Is that because you have the brand, you have the you have success, and also the fact that the like journalists are unfortunately in this weird position right now where like the business is, is suffering? Is that is that that like those yeah, two combination so. factors? Yeah, and like Intercom is a software company that you know has invested in content marketing and sees that like content marketing has has been really successful, and it's probably like you know the, the, one of the the things we're we're well known for in the market. In fact, you know, there's been times over the years where people are like, "Hey, love your content. What do you guys do?" Which um, you know, it's not <laughs> it's not great because actually, you know, it's content marketing, and the the point is we're doing this so that people know who we are. Um, and, and, and know what we do and, and potentially will will buy our product. Um, but, um, you know, I, I say I used to sell, or I used to write and edit things so that people would, you know, buy a newspaper or, or buy a subscription, digital subscription. I now write and edit things and, and the team write and edit things so that people will, will buy software. And so in that regard, it's, it's not that dissimilar, but you do have to be very conscious of like, what we're creating you know we're not just creating stuff for to just to generate an audience for the sake of generating an audience um you know and that's publishing is about just mm. you know uh, creating an audience that you then either advertise to or or, or, or or ask them to like pay for the content but you know content marketing is is very different you are trying to attract the right audience that will be in the market to buy your product yeah similar intent different vehicle different approach how do you do that yeah you, you mentioned this great point that I was about to talk about. Companies that create content that does not, is not tailored to the product, where like mm-hmm. you, just, you just said, like you, uh, you have great content. Oh, what do you do? <laughs> That's not, a, not necessarily a good yeah. reaction. Uh, what happens? And I think you had an example of, of really successful companies that are inv- like they're invested a ton of money into creating very high quality content that definitely helps the audience, but doesn't quite help them with the sale. Of, yeah. the, of their product yeah i think we've, we've seen that a lot like a lot of uh, particularly in the technology world a lot of brands develop these like kind of sort of content sub brands and it could be like a you know a blog and an event series like they might have a conference with the same name and they really like try and go go deep on you know something tangential to to actually what they do and you know i get it people are creative they want to create something that's going to attract an audience um, but it doesn't necessarily attract the right audience, you know, just because you're in the customer support world, you know, should you just write all about relationships because, you know, customer support is about relationships with customers. Um, probably not, you know, I, I don't think that lens is, is close enough. So the way I, I talk about it, intercom is, uh, to sort of keep ourselves on the right path is talk about like seeing the world through the lens of our product. And so. Uh, at Intercom and how we stay brand relevant in, in terms of the content we produce at Intercom, our product, you know, we, we have a customer engagement product and it very much 
you know, the product itself does not make it easy for you to send mass send a message to your entire customer base, because actually we don't think that's the right approach. We have like, you know, we've just released series, which is a, a new visual designer for how you create these kind of engagement campaigns, but you send targeted messages to people, you know, the right message to the right people at the right time. And, you know, our engineers have written code that, you know, allows you to do that in the product. Like our editors write articles that help you to do that you know, give you advice on how to do that. We've written a book on customer engagement. We've written guides to different aspects of, of customer engagement, whether that's, you know, writing the right kind of messages or, you know, how to create campaigns and stuff. And so that content is going to attract people then who are like, not just in the market for Intercom, but I think when they then log into the product, it doesn't feel like they've entered a different world. Um, you know, I, I think we, we've all seen that where, you know, companies are, are very marketing led, sometimes can have this amazing marketing, you really buy into the story and the vision, and then you actually buy the product or service and it really just doesn't match what you you feel you were sold by the, by the marketing. And I think with content marketing in particular, I think that can be, you can be really, really exposed and sort of uh, have, a, have a disconnect there and end up having a, a, you know, a content marketing program that's popular, that's like generating reads or listens or whatever your, your metric is for it. But is it actually then turning that into business? Is it actually creating leads on that uh, based based on that? And I think that's that's the hard part, and that's why you have to kind of think about this brand relevancy all this time, and and as I say, seeing the world through the lens of your product. Is it the the problem because there's no content created about the product or helping the customer when they're already in logging into the product they're trying to use it or is it the problem where the when they talk about the top of the funnel when they create top of the funnel content the positioning of the product how they sell it is incorrect or both i think it's, it's the latter and i think like i think what, when we're talking about um sort of content to help people use the products we, we we talk about product education like content that that that's different and like it's it's really really powerful, but that's a different mm -hmm. team than content marketing, and it's you know it it's can be equally impactful from an SEO perspective. Like the reality is, people will before they buy a product, uh, will will Google about it and probably end up in your in your help center and your your documentation because they'll want to go. Oh, you know, how do I integrate this thing with this other tool I use? And guess what? When they Google that, they're they're going to find your help doc. So certainly don't underestimate product education and, and, and the power of, of, of that kind of uh, documentation. But no, I think that the, the big issue is, is, is at the top of the funnel and basically people are, are attracting the wrong kind of, uh, the, wrong, the wrong kind of buyers, the wrong kind of intent. Um, and I think they're, you know, it, you know, like the, the other thing is, you know, the, the, the original days of, of, of content marketing, I think, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, there was a lot of green space for, for people to go after. And so like the whole thing became, oh, you have to go after high, high volume keywords. That's the name of the game. And like, it's all about like high volume SEO. But, you know, reality is just because someone's Googled customer support, um, it could be that they're looking for customer support for like the, a problem they're having themselves. Maybe they're looking for customer support software, a small percentage of them are. You know, there's all sorts of different things that could be in there. Whereas actually, if you look at like someone ser searching a multilingual help desk, it's probably quite a, it's a small volume, but the, the intent is really, really high. Right. And so I would say in the, definitely in the B2B space, uh, you're far better after going after those sort of high intent, but not necessarily high volume uh, keywords. 
uh, you, you, you'll attract the right people. And as, again, you know, you, you, I think it's not just informed from SEO, but just generally with your content strategy, thinking about, as I said, about the world, like what's, what's relevant to your product? Because, you know, if it was just a numbers game, it's just about getting uh, visitors to, to the site, you know, as I said, I've, I've hired a number of like people who work in the media world. We can, we can get click bait and click throughs and all that oh, you're, stuff. You're, you're, we can generate traffic, but <laughs> you know, is it going to move the needle for our business? Probably not. Right. No, yeah, I mean, you're, you're doing it very well. You've been doing it for a long time and you have to. In fact, that's the whole point of the model. There's this, um, I would cu curious to hear your perspective, John, on this. So you spoke, you said it, if you are, let's say doing customer relationships, that's what your product is. There is a, mm -hmm. also an approach that uh, is based around, well, why don't we create content around golf? Uh, and how does it relate? Well, golf happens to be one of the interests that your audience has. And it's like, well, it doesn't relate at all. But the, what folks are saying is that, well, they will look at your golf content and then they'll figure out what you do. I'm very curious to hear what your, what's your take on that type of approach that is completely outside of what you do. Uh, you better have very patient uh, sort of paymasters who, are, because you know it's 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 a long it's a long route, right? Um, and you're also sort of, you know, I'm sure you've you've chosen golf as a sort of an extreme example. But even yeah. you know if you if you say it's you know in your sector and it's related or whatever, it's like. But you know, hey, the people who buy our products are really interested in this other thing. Well, then you're you're putting a huge burden on sort of your conversion rate uh, once once you get them to your site and how are you going to convert them and how are you going to get them from that other content over there to the to the core of what you do and I, so I think that's why I would certainly not be an approach I would I would uh, recommend um, you know and maybe there's some extremely crowded markets where you just have to do something where it's you know you're just trying to try trying to break out and and and, and in some way get get the, get the traffic but I'd, I'd have to be convinced that uh, it's, it's the best approach. Right. No, that's interesting because, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of the one of the things that Gary V, for example, among others, advocates for, mm -hmm. where if you're a lawyer, well, then start podcast about about tennis or about surfing, <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah. which is interesting. But I mean, I, I think with that approach, the, it also relies heavily on the relationships that you're building one on one during the podcast or doing an interview. And that mm -hmm. could work in the, in that specific medium. But if, for example, from your perspective, if you look at it from the written content, that would be a huge climb. That would be tough to try to sell it. Yeah, and you know, obviously, there's a lot of a uh, lot of focus these days about account-based marketing is, is is really big. And you know, how how sort of personalized or how tailored should your content be? Like, should you should you actually be like creating a blog post or a guide or a book or something for a specific account if it's big enough does that does that make sense um and maybe if you're 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 sort of average uh, acv uh average contract value is is, is that is our annual contract value is that high you know you you can you can make that stack up but generally i mean we like the, the kind of content marketing we have focused on today that at intercom is that kind of scaled scale content marketing and so um yeah it's it's yeah. that balance between sort of making sure it appeals to as many people as possible, but yet at the same time being relevant and being comfortable that actually, you know, some high intent uh, content, you know, content that's going to be read by people who have a high intent to buy your, 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 your product is, 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 is the way to go. 
What's your thinking behind SEO? You mentioned it, like when you does you do you start with SEO when you're working on a piece of content, you're thinking about a piece of content. Are, are you thinking it straight away? Are you thinking about it afterwards? Or you're not thinking about it at all? What's your what's your philosophy behind that? I'd like to say we're SEO informed rather than SEO driven. Uh, I think the problem sometimes with SEO driven uh, is just that, you know, you're kind of, you are effectively optimizing for the algorithm rather than optimizing for the reader. And so, you know, I, 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 I kind of make the comparison to a happy meal um, that, you know, overly optimized content feels like a happy meal, you know, it kind of <laughs> looks like it's going to be good. You kind of, you've kind of convinced yourself that, you know, it's going to be satisfying, but you consume it. And 15 minutes later, you're, you're, you're hungry again. And I think overly optimized content is like that. You go, Oh, great. I found this explainer to this topic, but it kind of never goes really very deep. It doesn't really say anything that you can't get anywhere else. In fact, it's probably just the, the result of a bunch of desk research that, that someone relatively junior in an organization has done. And so, I, I I I I think it's again it'll get it'll get you if you get you a certain amount of volume particularly if you go after the high keywords but it's competitive um, but will how, how sort of how much will you be able to convert that traffic you know um, whereas I think BSEO informed we we come up with sort of you know things editorial topics that we know from understanding our audience and like you know investing in in you know mm -hmm. user research and just getting to understand our audience like how, like I have a whole uh, a team within the content team who are called the audiences team and they they just think about like the the potential buyers and become experts in in that space and so they will come up with uh, with with topics and then we will actually look at like okay what are the seo implications like have we you know are we already gone after that keyword a bunch of times you know um what's the volume like all these other things and just you know as i say make sure that like we're not ignorant of seo far from it but 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 don't let SEO drive the whole the whole thing, the whole operation. Yeah, that uh, that that totally makes sense. Where you have a bit of a balance versus creating content that kind of feels like you know those affiliate websites when you're thinking, oh, what's the fastest skateboard? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, and then they they start with like the definition of the skateboard. Like you don't yeah. want the definition of the skateboard. <laughs> you want a specific answer. And there's like a 15-page article. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, that's totally driven by trying to get the, the, the definition box on the, on the SERP, on the, on the results page. So that, uh, you know, because, uh, that's, that, you know, P zero as, as some people call it, you know, that's, that's the Holy grail, isn't it? That you answer the question on, on Google's results page. Exactly. Exactly. What do you look for, John, when you're evaluating the content, um, what matters? what some of the metrics you are, you're, you really want to hit or, and what are some of the metrics you are okay to ignore? Because I would assume it's not all about page views and time spent on site. Maybe it's a nice one, but like what's some of the metrics you would be okay to ignore and some of the core ones that if you hit that, you know, that that's, that's work well done. And maybe you kind of revisit it later, but initially when the content pieces out, that's pretty good. Yeah, so I think uh, time on page is, is definitely important for us. Um, pages per session is another another important one as well, so that people are not like just consuming one article and 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 disappearing. Um, I think we increasingly are making sure that like the 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 content attracts people in the right segment. So you know we want we are looking for people. You know, right now it's we're we're looking for people in sort of a hundred plus. 
uh, employee companies, slightly bigger companies than, than we would traditionally have uh, sold to. I mean, that's where our sort of net new content creation is focused on. That's just like to tie in with our, our broader marketing strategy. So we're using things like uh, Clearbit and stuff to make sure that we're mm-hmm. attracting those kind of people. Um, you know, obviously, we'll, as I say, content is one of the four pillars of, of, of marketing in Intercom. And so we partner with, with, with the other teams to make sure that, you know, if we're pushing our support solution this quarter, you know, we're, we're going to be going, going strong on that um, and seeing like how is traffic to, to our support content uh, tra- tracking against that. But, you know, I think it's important not to totally sort of say, oh, well, you know, top of funnel, like volume of, of traffic doesn't matter. It does because you're trying to, you know, in classic marketing funnel uh, sense, you're trying to attract people into that. You're trying to attract new people in all the time um, because otherwise you're just going to, you know, when you pass on leads uh, further down the funnel, you know, if you're not getting new people coming in, you, you, you've got a real problem. Um, so I think I think uh, you know the day that we report or, or, or don't look at a KPI of of of, of traffic, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a problem. <laughs> no, that yeah, that's a good approach. That's a good. That's a well balanced. That's a well balanced yeah. approach. I want to talk about your podcast. Um, sure. You've been having some great guests. You've been doing it for a long time now. What do you do to make sure that you have great conversations? Like, what what's your um, thinking behind behind that? Yeah, so I mean, I think we have a pretty, pretty simple formula, uh, and it's it's one we've we've kind of stuck with uh, for for the last, gosh, it's it's over five years since we we launched our podcast, and you know, in 2015 there wasn't a lot of um, brands or companies doing their own podcast. Um, it was, it was it, you know, whereas now I think nearly every startup in San Francisco seems to have a a, a podcast rather than a, a blog uh, when they start off. I, I can I can understand why, but uh, it's it's a pretty crowded space. But we looked at the, at the options. We looked at like partnering with you know different production companies or or, or what or what have you that like could have helped us produce um, you know say a magazine style or sort of a very you know documentary style uh, podcast. But you know going back to what I talked about seeing the world through through the lens of of, of your product was that we we realized that hey. You know, Intercom is all about conversations with with your customers and and sort of having that deeper, deeper sense of uh, you know we, we, our whole mission is to make internet business personal, and so we felt we'd like to have deep conversations with people, uh, with people we respected in the industry, but I think one particular thing we noticed at the at the at the time, uh, particularly in the technology podcasts, was that you know a lot of them were overly long, um, a little bit rambling. Um, and so, you, you know, it was quite common to have like one hour podcasts that people were listening to on, you know, 2x speed. And I was just like, well, why not just actually, you know, curate a conversation, like a 30 minute conversation. We produce a, a document in advance that we share with the guest. It's like, hey, here's 10 questions we want to try and cover. We might cover all of these, we might ask them exactly in the way we, we say here. But like, here's 10 things that we think are interesting about you and your work. And we will even go to like sort of give like, you know, hey, there's we're asking this question because you sent this tweet out last year mm. or hey we're asking this question because like you know you spoke about this at this context conference. yeah and so it just really sort of makes it easy for them to go oh cool i know what these people want to talk about i know like they're focusing on what's interesting they can make suggestions we make suggestions so there's an agreed sort of uh path beforehand so it's yeah and we generally hit sort of 30 35 minute mark um and 
I think the big thing, two two big things was from an early stage within the company, you know, Intercom was probably about 100 people at the time when we launched, was we sh we we asked everyone, like we had people who had worked in Apple and Facebook and, uh, you know, all, all these different big, big companies was like, who do you know, who do you have a personal connection with that like is sort of the most famous in our industry that you know, that you think you could like ask to come on our podcast? Because you know, we sort of cold contacted people. The first thing they were going to do was look at our podcast and go, who's, who's been on this thing? Like, of is, this, course. is this thing credible? And so that really, really helped. Actually, I remember, I think it was uh, Mark Cole Stewart, uh, who uh, was a VP of design at the time at, at Facebook, uh, was, was one of our first big guests that really unlocked a lot of doors then from for other guests mm -hmm. who are, are just made them feel comfortable. Like, hey, this isn't some Mickey Mouse thing that, that I'm going to be on. And then the second thing I think that has really, really helped with, with, with growth and was just something that, you know, it was actually someone who was trying to sell me a, 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 or get me to start using a, a tool he was building for podcasters. But he, he said, listen, you guys need to just like release at the same time on the same day every week. And he was like this thing, like, because at the time we, we were sort of getting them out as and when we could and, and seeing if there was an audience. And uh, it was a fantastic piece of advice because since, you know, the, the audience almost doubled within a, a couple of weeks uh, once we, we hit that regularity. Like if you think about your own your own subscriptions to, to podcasts, people like that knowing when there's going to be new content yeah. there. Um, and I think that just makes makes a huge difference. Mm, that's, a, that's a, yeah, that's a great point. Do you, yeah, I mean, great points. With regards to, uh, sending questions beforehand do you do like pre-interview calls do you actually meet the guests beforehand or you just send it over the email because you're going for famous guests who did previous public appearances you don't need to actually talk to them before you actually start it, it's a mix it's a mix it depends uh i mean generally we we will we we, we can do it on the on on the doc uh just by exchanging emails and 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 and, and sharing the document um but obviously you know depending on on who it is and, and their comfort level um we 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 will um we'll, we'll just make a call on it but we have a dedicated podcast producer now as well which is you know we, we've only had for the last sort of year and a half which is which is great makes makes a huge difference um and you know now i think we also have the luxury of it's not even always looking for the 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 most well-known person we're also also looking for like an someone who's got an interesting story to tell and we think that will will resonate with our with our listeners when you look for the right story or the great story, do you, what were, what are some of the sources that you look for? Would that be, they did previous public interviews, they did previous podcasts, maybe they've been on YouTube, they wrote something interesting, or would you look for something else as well? Uh, personally, I'm probably still a little old, old school and I sort of uh, have my sort of Twitter lists for different, different topics. So I'll just go like, who's actually saying interesting things or like, watch what people I respect, like, are they sharing articles or like talks or stuff for, 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 from other people? Um, but yeah, it comes from a variety of sources. And I think particularly, uh, you know, something we've been trying to focus on a lot more recently, well, not just recently, but we're, we're always conscious of, but I think, you know, events of this year have made everyone conscious of is diversity and inclusion and making sure that mm -hmm. like, whether that's, you know, gender diversity or racial diversity or whatever it might be, just trying to be thoughtful and conscious about that. And I think, you know, one of the things that us made, made us realize is that like, actually, you know, when you get someone from a particular uh, group that maybe has been up underrepresented, you sort of say, hey, who else is interesting? Like, who do you, right. who do you listen to? So like use your existing sort of guests and contributors as a way to mm -hmm. sort of find more interesting guests and contributors and, and regardless of what sort of, 
uh, lens you're, you're, you're applying to that at a particular time. You probably have to run, John, but I have a last question. You don't have to spend too much time, but I'm curious to hear what you think. If you were to start, if you have to start a podcast right now, crowded space, let's say customer relationships, how would you approach the concept development? Maybe it's the name, maybe it's the type of guests, maybe it's the conversation, maybe it's the format. What would you consider or ask kind of questions about maybe people you reach out to that to, to bring that fresh perspective that folks are not doing because nobody wants another podcast? Yeah, I think, well, certainly if it's in the customer support space, I think, uh, you know, I think there's definitely opportunity there to sort of, there's a lot of very uh, light content in the space. And so, you know, to me straight away, I'd start thinking about, oh, is, is there, is there some, some stuff here that we can, you know, in a, in a healthy way, expose some, some of the realities of, 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 of the, of what's going on in that space. Um, so whether it's like talking to, you know, agents or something, uh, and actually exposing their voices, which aren't, or which aren't necessarily heard. Um, but I mean, that's kind of like just riffing, uh, off the top of my head, but I mean, I think the, the, the big thing for me always is, is do the research, look at what's existing, look at what's out there right now and, and then sort of form an opinion yourself. I mean, that's, that's definitely how our podcast launched was very much looking at like what existed at the time uh, and, and figuring out like, could we offer something different? And I think, you know, that's probably just a bit of uh, my personal style as well. It's just like, Hey, like let's, let's, let's do something different. But, you know, um, I think the, the, Proof is in the pudding in many ways in that like you know people don't want just more of the same if you're just going to offer more of the same how, how you know what, what what's unique or how, how why would people sign up for it right and you have to do golf example because you don't have to go that extreme to be successful <laughs> no. I, I, you will not hear a golf podcast from me i promise not 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 in the next couple of years <laughs> until no. until uh, uh, while you're here rain. <laughs> exactly. I was yeah. just going to say, John, what are the, some of the resources you'd recommend people to check out? Uh, how do they can find you? Anything that you think would be helpful for, for the audience? Uh, well, obviously check out the, the inside intercom blog. Uh, if you want to check out my thoughts, uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, I'm JC 001. So J A Y C E E 001. And, uh, I'm also on LinkedIn if you obviously find John Collins intercom. I'm happy for people to, to, to follow me there as well. I post occasionally. Um, but I think there's just, just some, there's some great resources that, like generally out there at the moment. Um, and some great Slack groups for people who are interested in content marketing, you know, that, that you can easily Google and find. Um, I think that's interesting as well. So just some great, these private Slack groups happening that, that people are sharing their, their knowledge and their insights. Any final messages to the audience? Something I have not asked you, you wish I, you wish I did. Uh, uh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think the one thing we, we, we kind of touched on uh, tangentially and we uh, had discussed previously, I think was just this whole idea, which I have, which I always say to people is, you know, have an opinion, be opinionated, um, you know, and that doesn't mean you have to be angry or contrarian, even though sometimes you, you want to be, but like, you know, just an opinion is, is, is something that people can, can disagree with. And, you know, your content should always, you know, it shouldn't be playing it so safe that everyone in your industry can agree with it. It should, it should have an opinion, which, you know, is basically a, a stake in the sand where you're sort of saying, well, actually, you know, everyone thinks this, but maybe we need to consider this. Um, 
And so I think that's just one of those things that you constantly want to keep in the back of your mind as, as, you're, as you're producing content. Um, if, it, if it doesn't have an opinion, how, how are you going to get it read or listened to? John, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your insights. It was great to be here. Hopefully uh, your, your listeners get some use out of it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This was another episode of Media Camp with Sergey Ross. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. It was so much fun to make as always. You can find all the resources, links, and books and recommendations from the guest in the show notes. You can connect with the guest as well uh, by following those links. You can connect with me on LinkedIn if we are not connected yet, and I'd love to like, comment, subscribe, all those things. If you see this episode on LinkedIn, if you see this episode somewhere else online, I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Media Camp. I'm out. I'll see you in the next one. Yeah.